Hello, and welcome everyone to Sacred Balance. I'm your host, Jui Rami. Sacred Balance is a special space created for seekers where we come together to explore deeper dimensions of life and share spectacular stories of people who are avidly seeking that balance while thriving and tasting magic of life and all its possibilities. So come join us and together, let's make it happen. Seeds of yoga were planted early for Olivia Hahn by her loving and nurturing parents. And when she met her husband Taylor and Sadhguru, those seeds have been blooming into a wonderful union of so much more. As an ecologist, conservation filmmaker, and a gardener, Olivia is deeply devoted to nature. Driven by her desire to save the planet, she sees spirituality and nature as one for the healing of both the humanity and Mother Earth. Wonderful. I want to welcome you to our beautiful Sacred Balance podcast. And it's just so nice to have you on today. And I want to thank you for making the time to make it happen between you, all your travels and the wonderful work that you're doing with the environment. So um, really a wholehearted welcome to you on our podcast today. I'm so grateful to be here and just love absolutely love the work that you're doing and I think it's so important so thanks for including me in it and um, I can't wait oh thank you it's really certainly our pleasure here at Sacred Balance and um, so I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about you know I, I notice on your Instagram you have such a wonderful family and all the things that you do with your family and you know that includes you with your partner, Taylor, and, you know, your parents and your furry babies and, <laughs> and all the <laughs> environmental work you're doing. And so I wanted to know a little bit about where you grew up and uh, if spirituality was part of your life growing up. And uh, just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, okay, so I grew up in Chicago. Uh, I was born not too far from Wrigley Field, and mm -hmm. um, I'm an only child, so it's just uh, me and my parents, and uh, like you mentioned, I have, I just have a very close, very unique relationship with my parents. They're two of my best friends in the whole world. Um, they're just very cool people, um, very loving, extremely loving, and... Um, and then you also mentioned my husband, Taylor, who he's been on the show before. So he um, yes. he's a musician and a teacher and um, he performs with Sounds of Isha. And um, so anyway, back to, I guess, my parents, you, you had asked about spirituality growing up. Um, so, yeah, I, I did have a pretty unique um, experience with yoga growing up that uh, I didn't really know any other kids that were in my same situation, which was my my father is a trained yoga teacher and my mother is now as well. She's been for some time, but my dad started um, right out of high school in the 70s. He um, went to learn to teach hatha yoga <clears throat> and yeah. he has been teaching ever since so over 40 years now and wow. he, um so he brought this really beautiful unique perspective into our home um it's actually how he met my mother they met at a a yoga ashram in the Pocono Mountains the Himalayan Institute and they yes. um yeah they you mentioned before that you had been there we I still haven't yes. been there and I've been dying to go for <laughs> my whole life, you know, so hopefully one day we'll make it there. But, um, yeah. my mom it's was beautiful there. I think you yeah, would love it. I think so too. I, I've seen photos and my parents have very fond memories of that place, but my father mm -hmm. was living at 
um, I believe he was living at the ashram in Glenview and uh, right outside of Chicago. He had lived there for a few years teaching mm-hmm. and working. Um, and then my mother was in New York City mm-hmm. and she, um, you know, she was involved with theater and then got involved with publishing. But um, through like da- her dance and theater background, she uh, was interested in yoga, and she found the mm-hmm. Himalayan Institute through through dance and and um, and theater. Mm-hmm. So they then there there's another ashram right in in Pennsylvania, and they both went there for a weekend ret- yes. retreat and met each other, and then oh. just um, yeah have been inseparable ever since. So it it was just a very it really brought my family together, and mm-hmm. um, it was something that there was always, um, there were always books around the house about yoga and about Ayurveda. And so as a child, I was just very curious. But at the same time, I didn't quite know what to make sense of it because none of my peers had a shared experience with it. So I didn't know if it was normal or, um, you know, just didn't know what to make of it until mm-hmm. I got a little older. But it definitely had a very profound impact on me. Um, and seeing, you know, I I was able to meet my parents' guru, uh, Swami Rama, when I was very young. And, um, wow. you know, they had pictures of him around the house. So it was just mm-hmm. – um, and they, they actually, he actually helped them get pregnant with me. So oh, he was wow. very foundational in, like, my existence, <laughs> I guess. So yeah. – um, just learning more about that and hearing stories and everything, it it instilled like a deep curiosity in me to learn more and to have this be part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I kind of got older, I didn't see like there were yoga studios or, you know, whatever kind of popular yeah. yoga that I would seek out. Um, and I would always ask my dad questions and he would give me books. So I did a lot of reading. Yeah. Um mm-hmm was very curious but it still wasn't fulfilling like mm-hmm. that that desire to know more and and to deeply experience something um and also to have a community of mm-hmm. of people who uh were also seekers you know uh, I didn't find yeah. that until Isha yeah and so and so how did that Isha happen for you yeah, so that um, that happened actually through Taylor, through meeting Taylor, and mm-hmm. he was involved with it. Um, I'm sure, as he described in his podcast, um, mm-hmm. I think in like 2015 or so, or so he yes. started. He said um, May 2015, I believe. Yeah, yeah, but he had been watching Sadhguru videos before that, and we met mm-hmm. in 2015 at the end of 2015, and mm-hmm. when we met. I mean, we we very quickly realized like we both had this shared interest of yoga and spirituality. And I remember him showing me mm-hmm. Sadhguru and his Rudraksh and all, all sorts of <laughs> like little hints. And I would show him books. Um, and yeah. But I was a little resistant to get involved because I had this, you know, um, my family had this history and I would share it with him, but he was so in love. And I think, um, (laughs) like he just, he, he was like Sadhguru was and Isha were very strong in his mind as like, this is what I'm pursuing. And he didn't have like a strong desire to, to learn other things that I was presenting. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going (laughs) to, you know, um, get involved in this. Cause I just, I think it was a little petty or something at that time. I wasn't, open because I didn't see him as open um but then that just that started to change as um I kind of went through a pretty tough year I had kind of a traumatic experience around the time I met Taylor and Uh you know he he kept suggesting that I do inner engineering to kind of help me through that um Mm -hmm. but I kept putting it off and I would you know I went to therapy or I went to um to tried other healing modalities and they helped a little bit but um Mm -hmm. nothing until inner engineering you know that was a huge turning point 
And yeah. uh, so that was in 2016, I believe, fall of 2016. Yeah. And um, and what kind yeah. of nudged you into signing up for inner engineering? Like, yeah, it was a big nudge. Or story behind it. <laughs> yeah, it was a big <laughs> nudge. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, so I'll try. I think Taylor told part of the story, but um, yes, but we want to hear your version. <laughs> right. So in 2016, Sadhguru was doing his book tour for the inner engineering book. And mm-hmm. he, uh, he was coming to Austin where Taylor and I lived and Taylor and I were still just dating at the time. We weren't engaged yet, but he, um, he had been tasked to put together like the local Austin Sounds of Isha band uh, for the book Uh tour specifically. And so he, I think there were just not enough musicians in town that they desperately needed a guitar player. And Mm -hmm. I am, I'm a guitar player. So they, I think he did some finagling and was able to get me as a non-meditator to be part of the the band just for this event. So I started going to rehearsals and after, after the first rehearsal, literally my first day, I met Trent. (laughs) And, (laughs) uh, if, if you guys haven't heard Trent's podcast, what a beautiful soul he is. He's just the most beautiful human I've ever met. And it was, it was basically like meeting Trent and then meeting, Sandhya and her daughter Sandra, like just people in our Isha Austin community, where mm-hmm. right away I felt welcomed, and there was just an energy that I couldn't explain. Um, yeah, like just after going to a, a rehearsal, um, mm-hmm. it, it was so it really stuck with me, and it was really profound. And I was like, this this feels right. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, we did a few rehearsals. The day comes where where Sadhguru does the book tour event in Austin and it was beautiful. We played songs beforehand. We played songs after his talk. Um, being in his presence was like, I, I wasn't even like necessarily excited or anything, but then like it, it was just, I can't explain it. It was pretty out of this world, like the energy that he brought into that space. Yeah. Um, and then um, after the the event, all the volunteers kind of lined up outside of the venue to 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 I guess kind of lead Sadhguru out to his car to thank him, mm-hmm. and he kind of came out and like I I the way that I remember it is he basically like beelined straight for me. He he was um, mm-hmm. his hands were in like namaskaram to everyone, yeah. but he came straight up to me and yeah. grabbed my hands and like looked into my eyes and asked me if I had done the program. And I was just, I can't, I can't remember all the words that I said. And Taylor remembers it sl- slightly differently than I do, but <laughs> it was something along the lines of like, no, like what program? <laughs> I was kind of like, what program? <laughs> um, and I'm sure he yeah, said something what are you like talking about? engineering. <laughs> And then I was like, no, I haven't done it yet. And he was like, have you come to, or you should come to Tennessee or like, have you been to Tennessee? And I said, no, yeah. so I haven't been there yet. And he was like, you should come. So those are the yeah. things I remember as I was like staring deeply into his eyes. Um, yeah. And he, then he kind of went off and said a few other things, but um, it, I went home that night and signed up for inner engineering Um Either that night or the next day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just very, um, it was a beautiful moment and it felt like an invitation, right? It felt like. Yes. uh, I mean, I mean, this cannot get any better, right? Right. (laughs) Personal invitation at that. (laughs) Right. So I, I took that seriously. It's like if if Taylor couldn't get me to do it or if I kept coming up with excuses or for what, for whatever reasons, like at that point it was enough for me to be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I really should do this. And, um, yeah, it, it felt, it was really just the emotion and the feeling behind that encounter with him that propelled me to do it. Um, 
And so, yeah. And, and that, so then I took that about a month later, inner engineering, about a month later. So growing up reading all these yoga books and, you know, hearing about Swami Rama and, you know, being in touch with spirituality through your parents, how did the initiation and the practice of inner engineering feel like, you know, reading and hearing versus the actual practice that is stabilized in your system and doing that every day? How, how experience for you? Right. There's, there was really no comparison. I mean, yeah. it was um, the reading and everything, although it is stirring in some way and it is um, intellectually and like mentally stimulating and it makes you more curious. Mm-hmm. It's still like do, the first init- initiation with Shambhavi was one of the most intense things I've ever experienced. And some people mm-hmm. say that it's not like, um, I think it definitely varies from person to person, but I'm a, I'm very sensitive. Um, I'm yeah. I as a person, I'm just very sensitive to energy and to emotion, and it was just it was like a, an amazing explosion. Yeah. It was it was um, very a very beautiful day. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can say. And um, so sorry, I'm getting a little emotional over here, but it was Aww. it 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 was life changing for me, um, yeah. and so I'd say like not that I stop reading the books because I definitely continue to do that, yeah. but um, it was just something I had been I felt waiting for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were ready, and you know as they say, <laughs> when the student is ready, the master arrives. And uh, Sadhguru personally coming up to you and inviting you is definitely, you know, you showing that you were ready. You're ready for something like this. And Yeah, uh, I think that's true. I think I had been, um, the desire had been there for such a long time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the year before it really propelled me into like a time of healing and a time of searching for something that would help me. Um, really stable. And then you and Taylor got married afterwards. Um, yes. Yeah. Soon after that. Yeah. We mm-hmm. got engaged um, about a month or so after my inner engineering, a month or two. So mm-hmm. he, yeah, yeah he w- wanted to make sure that I was in it for the long haul or something. But <laughs> <laughs> no, he, yeah, yes. he proposed that New Year's after my inner engineering in November. Oh, oh. So. <clears throat> Yeah, it was so romantic, romantic. and uh, yeah. Then we got married in 2018. So, Mm -hmm. and so your marriage, Olivia. Let's talk about you know you come from a wonderful family and amazing parents and had a really rich childhood in many ways. But marriage is a whole different ball game. Like when two people come together from very you know diverse backgrounds and they start a life together. Having tools of well-being like inner engineering play a, certainly a huge role in, you know, coming together and blending both lives in that sense. So how did inner engineering and the tools of it help you through, you know, in that transition? <clears throat> yeah, it's been, oh, I am so grateful to have a partner who... Honestly, like he had gone through almost all of the programs by the time we got together. When we met, he was preparing for Samyama. So yeah. he he was had been doing intense sadhana for a while at that point. <clears throat> and I honestly felt for a little while like a bit jealous and a bit like he's <laughs> further along than I am or, you know, it, which it's hard. You can't even compare, but it felt that yeah. way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Um. So it's, but by the time I actually started doing the programs, I Mm -hmm. realized just how, um, I don't know, just some of the behaviors that I was bringing to the table in the relationship that I wanted to really change, like, and Mm -hmm. that how inner engineering has helped me. Um, yeah. be more aware and be more responsible for myself and my behaviors in the relationship. And I think Taylor has done that almost the whole entire time as well. Yeah. Um, and how you respond to each other, right? Like, 
that's what I notice in relationships, like how I respond to others in, you know, people in my life is much different than I would otherwise, if I didn't have the tools of inner engineering, it would be a totally different response. (laughs) And we're, we're definitely not perfect at all. There are days where, but we can tell it's like, oh, I haven't done my practices this morning. Like I, I know that's a factor in in most of our disagreements or our arguments are like, oh, we don't feel good. We haven't done our practices. We don't feel balanced, uh, X, Y, Z. So it's a huge factor. And I think especially after like BSP and after Samima that that I did, things Mm -hmm. really have shifted. Like I've seen huge jumps in our growth as a couple after those two programs specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Yeah, I just, um, I really think it is important. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I know that there are people who are struggling to get their partners to see, see this in the same way as they do. And you never will like be perfectly aligned on everything. But, um, honestly, like I've seen, it's mostly from the other partner, like observing your, your behavior. Like that's what I noticed about Taylor was like, he hit when he did his practices, it made me want to do it too, because he had such a sense of calm and stability. Um, and I've seen other couples too, where like they notice that shift in the partner that it makes Mm -hmm. them so curious. It either makes them kind of angry or jealous, or it makes them curious or a little (laughs) bit of both. And then that may, lead them to exploring it from themselves and even starting out with like some of the simple practices like Isha Kriya or Sima Kriya or something to bring a little bit of that into your life is always a good easy start you know so yes um anyway the answer is yes it's really inspiring because there are many people listening right now and they have spouses partners girlfriends boyfriends and and, you know, there's when it comes from your own person about something like this, the tools of well-being, there's always resistance, you know, <laughs> because it's like my own person is saying that it might be something because they want me to be certain way or they want me to change, you know. Um, but when they hear story and when they listen to other couples and, you know, what they do in their relationship to make it better, it's certainly inspiring to hear that how no matter who you are, from where you come from, these tools just are universal and they work for everyone, whether you're a couple or single. (laughs) Right. And like I said before, I I did have that resistance. So I know firsthand what that feels like and how it can change. Um, You know, even I think if I hadn't gotten that personal invitation, I think at some point I still would have signed up and done it because um, I really had noticed such a mm-hmm. a beautiful thing happening with Taylor yeah. that I um I just had to get over my own resistance um and Sadhguru kind of sped it up a little bit for me there so yeah in the community of Isha is like no other the volunteers who show up in in a way that I haven't seen in any other organization. So to be part of that community is also very rewarding, I would say, you know, it's very fulfilling. And, um, you know, though we're all, you know, on our own journey, and we're all alone in it. But at the same time, it's good to have the support of the community to boost you through, like, if you fall back on your practices, or if you need a little boost, it's good to have that community support. I agree 100%. And like I mentioned earlier, that is a component that I was, you know, really eager to find. Um, and some of my best friends uh, are from Isha. You know, they are such yeah. beautiful people. I can't explain explain it. And you were mentioning the volunteering. Like, that's where I've met some of the some of these friends and um just some of the most beautiful people I've ever met is through these volunteer events through inner engineering um and it is an experience when you go in and you volunteer it's it's different um 
I don't know how to explain that energy, but everyone is just so open and so willing to do anything that's needed in for any situation. Um, I wish, I wish people interacted in the world like they do in an inner engineering program. It's, um, it's truly a sense of offering and, um, yes. And and without any agendas or expectations and not even a thank you in return. And and when we have that kind of space, it's just something remarkable comes alive that, you know. And the participants notice, right? The participants notice it and it sticks with them. um, And it makes them want to become volunteers in the world too. So it's, um, it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your work, Olivia. Um, tell us sure. what you do and tell us like how inner engineering like has helped you in your career, if if it has. And we would like to know how it has helped you bloom in your career and the path that you are paving for yourself in that arena. Definitely. So um, I am a biologist uh, by training and But I'm also a science communicator and a wildlife filmmaker. So I've kind of taken my my background in science and biology and ecology and um, put a spin on it. You know, I've always loved photography and film and communicating visually. So uh, Mm -hmm. I I saw a need there that you know we really need the 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 world is. in a dire situation right now, the biological world. And um, Mm -hmm. so my job is to kind of communicate about different issues related to conservation and biodiversity. And um, Mm -hmm. so I I do a variety of things. I work on a couple different conservation programs. I I live in Austin, Texas, but my job kind of encompasses the entire state of Texas. And wow. I work with biologists in um, all around the state, in urban areas. Um, and it's a lot of traveling. It, it is a lot of traveling, but luckily with COVID, it's been uh, at bay a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. this fall, I did have some intense traveling and some filming that I had to do. Um, but luckily, it was all outside. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always so grateful that my job brings me to these really just beautiful places. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I guess inner engineering has helped me really realize like that this isn't for me. I think for a while, like I was always very driven by academics and by accolades and by, you know, oh, getting a, what, awards or whatever, you know, like the traditional academic route of uh, mm-hmm. learning and of, um, you know, kind of promoting yourself as like, I, mm-hmm. I am X, Y, Z, but more and more, it's like, this isn't about me. Like my yeah. work is about like helping to preserve the world for future generations, helping yes. to capture what is here now so that people can see the value and the beauty and hopefully want to um, help save it. Mm-hmm. And so that's my goal. It's, it's, it's less ego-driven than it used to be. And it's more mm-hmm. um, for the world and for people and for life. So wow. that, that is what my drive, driving factors are now. Um, and I think inner engineering has really helped me like take responsibility and also you know the thing that more really inclusive yeah. yeah more inclusive and um the thing that really helped me or really stuck with me from inner engineering was being a mother to the world um and yeah. that is so strong in my heart that mm-hmm. um I want to see not just every person but every being as if they're yeah. you know my child as if I'm responsible for them so yes. um yeah that's that's how oh, I try that's so and sweet <laughs> and yeah I it's it's um yeah it's not easy I have to say because yeah. there's like I said there's so much going on in the world right now that is really uh that's really threatening mm-hmm. uh, 
our ability to to save these species and to save life and to protect life. Mm-hmm. So it's hard because I see things every day that are like, okay, this species has gone extinct now or this place has been destroyed or um so it can be very disheartening and I've gone through periods where I've been very sad um and you know Mm -hmm. they they have terms for it now like ecological grief or um yeah yeah um things like that but uh staying with my practices and staying connected to like small local spaces near Mm -hmm. me like even my backyard has been just so healing and so supportive for some of those really tough days and like just moments where I kind of start to spiral out of control with the thought of what could happen um so So those species that you know we lose through our irresponsible human behavior and impact on the environment do they ever come back in another form uh or are they just just gone forever or do we have new species that are born every year to kind of make up for the loss of diversity in that sense well so i mean evolution takes physical evolution can take a very long time um but it can also be propelled you know by environmental circumstances to go more quickly but Mm -hmm. the rate of change that's happening right now is so quick so rapid that most species cannot adapt quick enough um so there will be some so that's the sad part of it yeah Yeah. so there are species like i mean bacteria will be fine (laughs) and like you know there are there are things that are able to um reproduce very quickly and mutate very quickly and adapt and there Mm -hmm. are others that are not and so we're seeing huge losses huge die-offs of birds of mammals of insects we have we are in ocean yeah oh our diversity in the oceans yeah yes um yeah but i think the the one that people often overlook is the insect um, yeah, they're calling the insect apocalypse right now, which is a terrible term, but yes. it's uh, at least gets people aware of what's going on. But it, um, without our insects and without our invertebrates, like we are completely lost. So, um, people don't realize so do pesticides and ins- like yeah. things that we use in farming do they kill the insects or do, yes. does it? Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean. There so are organic some, farming would definitely be better. Organic say. farming is better, but um, regenerative farming is the best option. Mm-hmm. So uh, organic farming still uses um, pesticides, but they may be uh, made with organic materials and they may be um, less toxic, right? Mm-hmm. But regenerative organic farming still in a lot of senses like disturbs the soil more Mm -hmm. than like I'm sure you know about tilling yes uh, which you know a a plow kind of comes through and and disturbs the soil it it turns it over and when you do that you release carbon you release a ton of carbon into the atmosphere from the soil because the soil stores carbon so when Mm -hmm. you turn it over and disrupt it that carbon is then released into the air and then it also kills a lot of the very sensitive life forms that are in the soil such as bacteria and fungi so you're essentially killing off like the um the life in the soil but also what what serves as the immune system of the plants like the you can Mm -hmm. when a plant is in the ground you can think of the organisms in the soil as almost like an immune system for the plant helping to fight off things so um but with regenerative farming you're building soil you are um you aren't disturbing those soil organisms and you're also and that's where the agroforestry comes in right right so that's another thing is like um with agroforestry it's mostly perennial crops it's trees for the Mm -hmm. most part so you're you aren't you're barely ever disturbing the soil because you have you know when you pick a fruit you're not taking the plant out of the ground right so it's um and also you 
you just get um, you're, you're, you have an investment for a longer period of time when you plant a tree versus if you plant a stock of corn that's only there for a year. Yeah. There, there are a lot of things Definitely. about regenerative farming that are, that are really wonderful and agroforestry too. So I know that um, Sadhguru and Isha, they've really been promoting agroforestry yes. in India. And I really think we need to do that here in the U.S. Yes. and elsewhere in the world because um, – yeah, because it, it really like. And how are you involved in making that happen, Olivia? Because we're really curious. Um, what kind of projects, uh, you know, can you being an environmentalist, you know, are you working avidly in making that happen? In so here in I'm United doing States? that. I'm doing it on a very small scale right now. I'm still learning a ton. So my background yeah. is mostly in ecology and conservation which mm-hmm. it's diff- it's a different field than farming, right? So um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of coming into it with the biological knowledge of like, this is how healthy ecosystems function. And I'm learning yes. about permaculture and I'm learning about agroforestry and I'm starting kind of in my own backyard, like we want to start a food forest. So we're growing yeah. saplings and um, have small fruit trees. And um, <laughs> so I'm not involved with any large-scale projects yet but that is definitely my desire and um I know that even at triple I like in in Tennessee they're Mm -hmm. planting fruit trees and gardens and just I'm trying to promote I'm trying to encourage people as much as possible that it doesn't have to be a huge project it can literally be in your own backyard like grow a garden plant a fruit tree plant um, learn about native plants because yes. those are essential for our insects. Our insects evolved with plants that that also evolved in that same space, right? So, yes. for instance, Texas. The the insects that live mm-hmm. in Texas want plants for that that evolved and grew in Texas. And if you bring in plants from China. They're so sensitive just, to, yeah. like, to the different chemicals in those plants that they can't eat them. They can't take advantage of them. They can't lay their eggs on them. Yeah. So yes. uh, they need native plants as much as possible. Yes. So, yes, um, and I think people just need, uh, you know, some people may be willing to do this, but they may just not know how to go about it. So, are there like any? Uh, any like links or websites you can you know maybe share for people who may be interested to do it in their own backyard at a small scale definitely to to bring the environment in their own you know area or vicinity better I have lots of resources can I link them somewhere or you can you know we will add it to the podcast you can send it to me and there's so many amazing organizations yeah, that that yeah. sounds good. I'll come up with a list for you. But um, but we appreciate any, it. Yes. anywhere that you are, there are also I'm sure local resources too, which are mm-hmm. uh, essential to kind of find out what's going on in your own neighborhood and your own community. And um, because there are people starting this work all over the yes, place. Yes, and there are a lot of community gardens coming up. Um, yes, because for a while people were scared that due to COVID, we're just not going to have any fruits and vegetables next There's year. There's been a huge surge of, um, of people getting started gardening this year, which I think has been a huge silver lining. People have yeah. realized how fragile and sensitive our food systems are. I mean, luckily, we, we didn't run out of food in the grocery stores, right? But it's put a lot yeah. of pressure on our agricultural systems. And you can imagine... Yes. The, to, to be able to continue to bring food into the grocery store every week, like just yeah. the pressure it's putting on our land is severe. So the more we and can And the prices position, have gone up too. Yeah. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just the pressure, but it's also the economic, you know, pricing and everything has gone up because everything has to be brought in from far away and because of restrictions and the traveling and um, just the COVID in general, is just delaying a whole lot of that to, right. to do. There's a, a lot of times lot you go of... into grocery stores and they don't have certain things anymore. There are you multiple know? positive benefits from it, right? You get to yeah. save some money. You yes. get to um, 
you know, you're you're supporting your local, if you buy from farmer's markets or, or something like that, a CSA, mm-hmm. uh, where you buy produce from a local farmer, you're local supporting your, yeah. right, your local economies, your local farmers, you're yes. supporting people who are treating the land in, in a healthy and regenerative yes. and uh, sustainable way. Um, Absolutely. So, and you're healthier, the nutrient content um, in local, uh, locally produced where like, you are is where you eat is definitely yeah 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 it's if you actually look at the numbers it's pretty insane how much more nutritious that the local organic uh, and regeneratively mm-hmm. produced food is versus what you get in your grocery store it's like absolutely absolutely like you know i i remember taking a biology class in college and those tomatoes they they show you how those tomatoes are so big because the genetic engineering and (laughs) all the pesticides and chemicals that they boost and inject it with so tomatoes are so huge but they have no taste (laughs) right well also you know how i mentioned before that when they kill off the soil organisms with pesticides or with mm-hmm. tilling, those are the things that help take up the nutrients into the, into the food, um, into what's yes. growing. So if you kill those off, you're not able to take up those nutrients as easily. Yes. So um, it's really all about the soil. And Sadhguru says it like every day. There's something like I he think – um, Yeah, he mentions it all the time. And then last week was World Soil Day. Where it's, well, he yes. has said this, I think he said it at Darshan this morning, like yes, taking care of our soil is literally the, the most important thing our generation priority. should be focusing on. Yes. And um, so when I hear him say that again and again and again, I kind of am like, okay, I'm, I'm, on, I'm like on the right Isn't path. That cool, Olivia, that you're on the right path of what, you know, really, truly matters. Your career is so aligned with what truly matters in the world, like soil regeneration. And it's so, you're so incredibly lucky to do this kind of work and we really well, applaud you and, and, are, and are very grateful that you're doing this work. It's really, you. So, you know, <laughs> so nice to have you and talking about this on the podcast. It just warms my heart on this December cold morning. <laughs> Well, I I appreciate you saying that, but I also want to know. I mean, my day job isn't. I'm I'm not a soil scientist. I'm not a farmer. Like there are people who are daily, you know, day in day out. They're working with their hands in the soil, and they're they're yeah. doing this job. Whereas I'm I'm not quite there yet. Like I would love to get to the point where that is what I'm able to do every day. But I'm yeah. also wanting to like what I do now is I share the messages I. I make the films, I, um, yeah. you know, I teach people and educate people about your social biodiversity, media also, right, yes. that we're going, you know, that we don't want to lose these things, right? So yes. Um, yes. my job right now is mainly revolved around conservation. And I think that's very important. And I think they're all tied into each other. But the fields, mm-hmm. like, they don't interact as much as I think they should, right? Like, um, wildlife yes. conservation and agroforestry. Like, it's it's everything's still a bit spread out right now. And I think it yes. has to be more integrated. More in organized. Future. And I think the mm-hmm. United States definitely needs to do, um, you know, because I listen to sometimes when you go on YouTube, we have several, like, doctors have come up with different vitamin pills and they 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 talk about it like buy my vitamin pills because the soil quality is so bad that you're not getting these nutrients so mm-hmm. people are actually marketing and coming up with products to make more money instead of fixing what's wrong right. so when yeah. i look at that i'm like so americans are finding new ways to make money off of this tragedy of soil being totally degenerated in in, in this doctor actually talks about it how bad the soil in america is and i i was mm-hmm. just like dude why aren't you doing something in regard to fixing it instead of coming up with vitamins to sell on youtube well it's like with I think that's just what, that's the trajectory we've been on in America for a long time. It's like we create these problems, like the obesity epidemic or something, and then we create an industry around it to to deal with that issue versus getting to the root of it, like diet pills or the gyms or, you know, exercise machine, Bowflex, whatever. So it's like, um, 
I don't know why we can't be. And then we have talk why, shows about you know? it. Like Oprah for, you know, years have talked about her own weight lo- loss journey and, you know, mm-hmm. what she does. And it's, it's, but how do we fix it from the core is the issue. Honestly, like the more and more I read about regenerative farming and permaculture, there are so many solutions built into <laughs> into that viewpoint of the yes. world. Um, yes. And it's really like the core, the fundamental principles are earth care, like you care mm-hmm. for the earth and the living creatures, people care, and um, gosh, what's the last one? And um, that ties in I with think the future care of being a mm-hmm. mother. Yeah. Right. I th- Some people say the last one is fair share or future care. I like future care because it's you're you're taking care of the future generations, right? So earth mm-hmm. care, people care, future care. Um, yes. And uh, so yes. anyway, I think that and for mother earth, fundamentally, being the mother. right. Yeah. I, I just think fundamentally we need to see that again. And um, I think that's why, yeah, I think that's why I've been letting that, um, you know, mother to the world and everything and uh, like kind of guide me because yes. I think it, you know, you act as a mother, but also you see the mother, like the, I, I'm not explaining this well, but the, the earth <laughs> is your mother, really. It's like, yes. we've forgotten yes. that earth. Um, we've forgotten like our origin and stories. Hence the phrase ashes to ashes, yes. Yeah, so it, um, we need to get more comfortable with the idea uh, that we are like we think human beings are like separate from nature, but we are very much nature. Yeah. And, um, and, you so. know, and the environment and the nature is not here to serve us. You know, it would do fine just without us. You know, it's we are the ones dependent on it for our own survival. So it's it, we need to have a little bit more gratitude towards what serves us and keeps us alive. And and that mothering aspect of Mother Earth is what we need to, you know, imbibe in ourselves and become the mother to the Mother Earth. And I think that you hit that right on the head. I also think now it's like we have to have that, you know, like fierce mother mm-hmm. energy because not yes. only do we need to protect the human species, right? And make sure that yes. we survive this. But now every other species on earth is relying on us yes. to make the right decisions. Absolutely. So- and that's why we have the Devi and the goddess aspect, you know, because oh, the oh goddess and the Devi, it's not just loving and compassionate, but it's, she's also fierce when she needs to be. And so we need goddesses like you and Devi and, you know, all of us <laughs> to kind of bring in that energy and to, to shift things to, and, you know, build a momentum to make the world a better place and to for our future generations to thrive. Yes, to everything you said. And I'm so grateful you mentioned Davy's name and my name in the same sentence. <laughs> it's like um, she is just fire. And I, yes. um, I, yes. I am so looking forward to that energy coming yes. into the world. And I'm seeing it, right? I'm seeing like the feminine... Yes start to rise up and be powerful. I'm, I'm so excited for it. I mean, I'm um, seeing it at a political level too. Like the, you know, if you look at uh, the current administration, you know, putting a lot of women um, in charge, it's, you know, they just nominated a bunch of, you know, really nicely, beautifully qualified women in the cabinet. So it's really, you know, changing. It's cho- slowly, but changing. I hope so. I, I really do. Um, I think that like, you know, I, I more and more I have realized that like just because you are now putting women into these spaces, if you don't allow them to be women, if you don't allow them to bring feminine yes. energy into a space, yes. if you're forcing them to align and behave similar or exactly like men then it's not going yes. to change so no, it's not I change. yeah I think that's great as long as they're allowed to be women full women fully women in these spaces so um 
that it's I so guess funny you mentioned that because that. I remember Sadhguru, I was in one of um, his, you know, talks and uh, I remember him saying that when he sees women in like several inches of heels carrying heavy computers and, you know, walking up and down the stairs and, you know, trying to be women, but acting like men, his, his heart bleeds because right. he's like, it's, it's really killing the feminine. And, um, you know, when women are forced to become like men, it's, it's the end of the culture. It's end of, you know, it's, it's, we're going in a opposite direction of where we want to be going. It's, it's really killing um, the feminine, you know, right. and the beauty and, and aesthetics of everything that's worth conserving is dying when you do that. Right. I, I agree. I think, um, I feel like we don't allow that in, at least in the society in the U S very easily. It's like, um, no, all we of don't. the we things don't. We that are considered to become more like men, you know, right. and, and even don't like, allow, yeah, even apart from just like male and female, like things that the energy that's considered feminine, right? Like is, yes. is always secondary to yes. the things that are considered masculine. And even, you know, even when I look at my own relationship with Taylor, like he's mm -hmm. very, he has a lot of feminine qualities, like the music and the creative um, aspects. Yes. yes. Those, those yes. beautiful creative aspects that he possesses, like, Yes. We we're very balanced because I have some masculine, yes. you know, tendencies, and he has feminine, and it. I think it balances itself beautifully. But like, um, but things like art and yes, music certainly. and creativity, they're not prioritized. I remember in my, I think in my high school, like we had a referendum or something, and it's like all the music classes got cut. All the art classes got oh, cut. Yeah. Like, yeah. but they are uh, the first ones to get. Yeah, cut. they're the yes. first ones to go, and we don't remember that. Like, what is a what is a civilization? Like, what is a society? Like, without those things, um, and that's so the feminine aspect. Feminine aspect doesn't have to be having to do with men or women. You know, men can be feminine and women can be you know masculine. So it's. It's the aspect of being feminine, of allowing, you know, that aesthetic of life to thrive mm -hmm. is what we're talking about. Because exactly. I want to clear that, clarify that for our listeners, because being men and women and being who you are is should be honored and not just, you know, being so masculine to kind of take over the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I really am looking forward to men feeling comfortable to find those feminine qualities yeah. within themselves because I feel like there are a lot of men who are really suffering right now like men white men in the U.S. have the highest suicide rates they have the highest rates of um like lack of friendship like men yeah. don't m many men don't have friends like deep friendships yes. um, they don't feel comfortable sharing their emotions they don't feel comfortable yes. sharing their problems and so it's really, it really saddens me yes. how much they're struggling right now. And I heard that recently right that there is like a group of people, like group of like men or young men, they just kind of like, you know, exclude themselves from the environment and the public like so socialization of anything and just go and play video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, they kind I mean, of like, they're not part of like contributing to the society in any way. They don't pay yeah. bills. They live in uh, their parents' basements. Um, you know, they don't go to college. They just kind of exclude themselves from the society in general and just play video games. They really don't have any friends. So there is a sect of young men like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, that could also be potentially problematic for suicides and mental disorders and yeah, things like that. And these are also statistically, you know, they've shown that these are the groups that are the most, uh, I guess, like primed for radicalization yes. into some of these extreme yeah. groups because they haven't found that like love and acceptance from yes. society, right? So yes. it's... Um, and they don't feel included in anything. So mm -hmm. they feel very exclusive. And when you're not inclusive, you're always harmful. Right. You know? So I've just been trying yeah. to... I don't know. I I know that there's a narrative right now that like... That's 
in in feminism, but also just in the culture that's like anti-men and anti-white men and all of these things, which I don't want to be anti-anyone. I know that like historically we've had these, you know, there have been people in power that have taken advantage of other groups of people, no doubt. And Yes. yes, most of those were like black and brown people and women, right? (laughs) That doesn't mean that now we put down another group of people, right? No, we shouldn't do the same thing that was done to, (laughs) you know, others in the past. No, No. so I think like, I just want to be able to listen to everybody. I think people's stories need to be heard and validated. But at the same time, I don't want to, I want to listen to people and I want to, um, because yeah. everyone is going through different things. So anyway, I I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just think... Um, well, you know, yeah. Olivia, it's really a beautiful time I had chatting with you today. And I we know, just, it's too. just, I, it's so nice to see you blooming and, um, you know, in your career, in your relationship, using all this uh, technology of inner engineering. And it's just really really touching how uh, on your own, you know, in your career path, you're also paving um, to make the world a better place, you know, environmentally and uh, creating nature for all of us to sustain a little bit better and longer (laughs) in this earth. Thank you. I I just want everybody to know that it's, um, that I I know people know that it's a difficult time, that it's a scary time. There's a lot of... um, you know, unknowns, a lot of emotions, and we're seeing so many negative things right now. But we, I don't know, I i really think that small changes shouldn't be overlooked, like our small efforts. Um, and especially yes. with the environment, like, like, we, we need to be able to kind of feel the power that comes from making yes. these small changes, especially in our own backyards and our communities. And I just urge people, I guess, to start reconnecting with the life that's around them. Um, And even if you don't have a backyard, you could do something in your apartment. You know, if you have like a little rooftop, you could do something on your rooftop. So there are so many ways to do something that helps the environment. And, uh, And, you know, that's where inner engineering technology comes in, because when you learn the technology of inner engineering, something really beautiful that you haven't yet imagined comes alive within you. And it's part of that inclusive consciousness. And these small changes that we're talking about can truly become available to your fingertips if you're open to these tools of becoming, you know, part of your life. And I just need to echo what you just said, because um, I think I used to think like, that people couldn't fundamentally change like if they were yeah. selfish or you know they had they had these values that were kind of instilled in them at a very young age um that that wasn't easily changed but then after mm-hmm. seeing people go through inner engineering and seeing like profound shifts yeah. in people um seeing yeah. seeing people who probably wouldn't have noticed uh, like a flower on the side of the road, like yes. literally standing there weeping about about <laughs> sitting with a flower. Yes. Like what it I I knew then and there when I saw that happen that like change is possible and like the scientific community like needs to blend with spirit yes. with spirituality yes. because yes. without it like we can keep shoving information down people's throats forever, yes. but it. It's not going to profoundly shift anything until people have that change within themselves. Yes. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just, and oh. inner engineering has proven that it has the power to do that with people. Yes. And, it's, and that creates the marriage of that spirit and science can be so blooming and blossoming if, if, if the, you know, people allowed it to have, you know, make it happen. And, uh, you know, the world would change. Like we wouldn't have so many drug companies. <laughs> Instead, we would have more, you know, plants and, you know, oh, yeah. that kind of companies blooming. You know what I mean? Like in, instead of like pharmaceutical industry taking over, 
we could have a lot of nature and nurseries blooming and taking over. <laughs> That's my idea. I'm like, why? Right. Like we have the science has been there's so much science on what we need to do. But for some reason, we're not yeah. prioritizing and putting the money behind the things yes. we need to do. And I don't yeah. I understand why. But I also if I was in charge, would not do it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it yes. it it needs to shift. It needs to have there needs to be a responsible, conscious, like, force that drives yes. our, like, scientific discoveries into action. And yes. Um, so, and yes, instead of to me, to we, and, you know, um, mm-hmm. more, uh, more than just making money, you know, when yeah. we build a business, it shouldn't be just about making money, but it should be about how am I contributing to the world to make the world a little bit better. That is true, but at the same, like, at the same time, people are going to be kind of stuck in these survival modes for a long time. Yes. Um, and yes. I think Sadhguru said something along the lines of like, you cannot divorce economy and ecology, especially right now. Maybe yes. in the future we'll be evolved and all be evolved yes. enough to think like that. But right now, like if we don't blend economy and ecology, then we're going to lose yes. the ecology. Yes. So, yes. um, because economy will always yes. win out if it, if it comes down to it. Um, so yes. And that's the, that's the, that's the, you know, something that we need to evolve in our culture that how can we create a model for each business where it's also contributing to the society, but it's also making money. And, yes. you know, each business, when they form their models and, you know, when they're doing their business plan, you know, if they start thinking about that and if there are classes like that in business school where they are, you know, showing students how to, you know, come up with innovative ideas that contribute to the society and, and you know, like at a grassroots level, it needs to change. So... Definitely. I love all of those ideas. I'm excited to see how Kaveri calling works. I'm excited to see like how agroforestry and and all of yeah. these things like scale up in the future. And um, yeah, I think if we, if we all could just look into some of these projects that are going on near us and start supporting mm-hmm. them, it'll help them grow um, yes. and become more widespread. It's, yeah, it's really all about even something like that, following that them on support. social media and sending mm-hmm. them an encouraging word, you know, anyone who's yeah. doing something like they're in local community, they might be boosted for days because you wrote to them and said something nice, you it know, they, if huge they were difference. like giving up in the morning, if they hear it from you in the afternoon, they might not give up in the evening. <laughs> right. And if you can throw a few dollars their way, you know, that's, yes, absolutely. that's even better, especially this year. It's been really hard. <laughs> it's been really, really yeah. hard this year uh, financially for a lot of people. So yes. Taylor and, and I have been so fortunate, but yeah, yeah. Taylor and I have been very, very, um, lucky and very fortunate so we're trying to do our best to support friends and to support businesses that we you know care about and want to support so um yeah I just uh, I'm I'm just so especially during the holiday season especially during the holidays yeah yeah more you know cheer we spread you know in that regard the more joy we will have in our hearts I agree so when does uh, when does this one air? Uh, we will start your um, this episode as <laughs> a season two first episode. That's the goal. Oh, wonderful! Okay, so, so we just have to get your lovely husband and Trent and Christian to you know send us some music because the oh, three yes. maestros are working on the music. They are. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I think you can remind them. I will remind them they're going to make you a really nice little song for the opener. And um, I was going to say to, I just wanted to let people know, I just released a short film um, that I don't know if it will still be up by the time this airs, but it'll be up eventually. So it's, um, it's a short film called Bayou City and it's part of the 2020 wild Texas film tour. And, um, I've just been working on it for a long time, so I'm really glad it's out into the world. And I want people to see it uh, if possible. Yes. So, 
Absolutely. Um, Do send us a link and we'll add it in the intro for you. Okay, perfect. Um, and there's lots of little creatures and um, yeah. it's, it's a story about Houston's bayous and um, mm-hmm. another example of kind of like how humans have destroyed an ecosystem, but yeah. there are ways we can bring it back. Yes. Uh, There's always something we can do to, you know, Sadhguru says that we can't change the past, but we can certainly take steps to, you know, make up for some of the, you know, damage we have done. So if, if exactly. you can, if you can do anything, anything little in your power to change, you know, for the better, we should take those steps now. Right. And, and especially while we have time, because as the years progress, it will get harder. Like the more we lose yes. biodiversity, the harder it will be to, and the more to regain soil. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but if we start now, like just the power of life just continues to amaze me. Right. It, it mm-hmm. is yes. um, very strong. So let's yes. just support it in every way that we can. Yes. And um, power of yeah. life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Olivia. I wanted to ask you one last question. If you had to share your inner engineering experience in one word, what word would you choose? I had a word. Um, I think it was cathartic uh, because Mm -hmm. for me, I, I just, I don't think I've ever cried so much in my whole life as I did during my inner engineering. So it was, there was like a huge, incredibly huge release for me um and I felt like a different person on the other end of it so it was um yeah I'd say it was cathartic and uh very releasing or something yeah yeah well we thank you Olivia for coming on to the Sacred Balance podcast and and, and showing us many ways that you're blooming and so that we can do the same in our lives. And uh, we're really, really grateful that you made it happen through, you know, even during all these travels and everything that you're, you know, doing in your career and the world to make the world a better place. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Julie. It was a joy. And I'm so grateful for you and what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. We look forward to sharing the podcast and all the links and, um, and, you know, making making this a real possibility for everyone around. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our show today. You can find out more about Sacred Balance, Technology of Inner Engineering, our guest, and the topics covered from the show notes attached to the series and the episode. We would appreciate your balanced feedback on the ratings in the review section. Until next time, a world full of love, light, and laughter. Let's make it happen.